listening to Reframed, the Power Perspective podcast, and I'm your host, Carly Merkleyer. As both a Christian communicator and counselor, I want to equip you with the tools and truths that renew your mind and empower your soul. So as we explore popular topics influencing our perspectives, I want to offer practical techniques for reframing unhealthy thinking patterns and provide step-by-step pathways for emotional and spiritual health. This process of untangling our thoughts is not always easy, but thankfully God's Word gives us instruction on how to reframe our thoughts, renew our minds, and redeem our perspectives in light of the gospel. It is this framework we will use to dispute discouragement, eliminate emotional reasoning, and empower our pursuit of the abundant life. So are you ready? Let's explore our current perspectives, expose the distortions we have come to believe, and grow deeper in our understanding of God's transforming power. Hello, and welcome to episode four of the Reframe podcast. If you are just tuning in for the first time, I'm so glad that you've joined the conversation today. So today we're going to be diving into the complex challenges found in our relationships and explore the current perspectives of people problems. My hope is that we will look back to scripture and see more clearly how to communicate and connect with those around us. If there's one thing I know that we all have in common, it's that we have all at one time or another experienced relational conflict. Regardless of age, race, gender, religion, our common frame of interpersonal conflict connects us. We are all people who have problems. From the very beginning, we have been plagued by the reality of our human brokenness. Anger, dishonesty, abuse, manipulation, miscommunication all find their roots in our imperfect interactions with one another. Just look back to the first few chapters of Genesis and you will read about the self-preserving, blame-shifting, and dishonesty that even today continues to influence our perspectives and complicate our interactions. In most cases, our interpersonal patterns have roots in our family of origin. Our upbringing largely impacts our experiences and significantly impacts how we perceive and pursue our relationships. One way we can begin to explore these patterns is by identifying the roles and rules assigned to us within our families and how they impact our relational and emotional functioning. Within each of our family systems, we have learned how to communicate, how to handle stress, cope with strong emotions, and solve conflict. So let's start by exploring these patterns within our family systems. One way that I love to do this is by relating our story our lived experience, as a way of identifying the role that we play, the rules that we keep, because these are this is the framework, right, that we engage in, and oftentimes it's been very much ingrained in us from early childhood. So I want to ask two questions for us to reflect on. First, what are the unspoken rules? Maybe you can look back to your family of origin or even currently today, the unspoken rules that you live by. In many contexts, these unspoken rules can be things like don't talk. You know, no one wants to hear what I have to say. Or don't trust. No one really can hold my emotions or my experiences. Or don't feel. You know, my emotions don't matter to anyone, and frankly, they don't actually serve me well. So these would be what we would consider unspoken rules, yet they in many ways impact the way that we interact with other people. 
Another area that we can identify and explore is the idea of roles. In a lot of therapy contexts, we look at the dysfunctional roles of family systems, things like the helper or the peacemaker, the child that's always the troublemaker, right? Oftentimes, we can see these dysfunctional patterns within our families and how that particular role within our family impacts the way that we function in other relationships in life. So both personally and professionally, I've come to realize that there are three overarching themes, or I would say areas of our interpersonal relationships that are impacted both by our family of origin and experiences throughout our story. So first, it's our communication. We learn a lot about communication in our families, right? When to talk, when not to talk, what to say, what not to say. In addition to our communication, we also have been conditioned to express or not express certain emotions, right? How many times in our childhood have we been told that it's not okay to cry? Just suck it up. Or, you know, why are you crying? The challenge is that with most levels of distress, we have been told in several different ways that having certain emotions is not okay. And this obviously impacts the way that we interact with other people's emotions around us as well. And lastly, I think the final and most challenging one for most of us would be how we deal with conflict. Anybody an avoider? I know that nobody loves conflict, but so often we avoid the necessary conversations because we don't want to ruffle feathers or we don't want to cause rifts in relationships. Yet in doing so, we hold on to unresolved pain, hurt, and we oftentimes assume or create unrealistic expectations in those relationships. So as you think about the rules and roles within your upbringing, you may become aware of how they have impacted your perspective on interpersonal relationships. Here's the greatest news. God's word speaks to our relationships So I want to invite us to look back to God's word and reframe our perspectives on relationships and relational issues so we can repair our hurts and renew our outlook on inviting people into our lives. I am still daily learning that without the Holy Spirit's leading in my life, I am completely unable to make changes to my perspective or my behaviors. So I want to encourage all of us to continue to pray and seek the Lord as we apply these truths to our life. So the first area I think that we need to begin in unraveling maybe some preconceived notions or cognitive distortions within our relationship is first in the way we handle our hurt. Think about the last time you were hurt by someone. Maybe it was a family member or a friend or spouse. You know, these moments challenge our emotional responses and therefore our entire frame of reference. For many of us, the emotion that is often experienced within painful interactions is anger. We are quick to defend ourselves with hurtful words or shut down and fail to fully hear what others are trying to say. Interestingly enough, The feeling of anger is a secondary emotion, which basically means there is a primary emotion connected to this response of anger. Most often, it's connected to hurt or pain, grief or loss. With this new perspective of anger, it's important that we align ourselves with the words found in James. Addressing the importance of managing our emotions, James writes this. He says, Now, 
My beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to become angry. For anger of a man does not produce righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampart wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which can save your souls. James 1, 19-21 When I first read this passage, I can become very quick to make a list of all the Christian do's and don'ts. But as I dig deeper into this passage, I find several restorative truths for my soul. Here, James is teaching us some basic distress tolerance skills, as we call them in therapy. With the first verse of the text, he says this, One, be quick to listen. These are basic listening skills. This is listening to someone intently. I don't know how many of us would say we're naturally good listeners. I think it's a skill that we have to practice. And one way that we can do this, especially in conflict, is asking for clarification. When we repeat a message back to the person speaking to us, one, it helps them know that we are listening to what they're saying. And if we got it wrong, hopefully they'll let us know. So a way of doing this could be potentially asking the person, did I hear you correctly? Is this what you meant? Or explain that to me a little bit more. So what I heard you say was, right? These are all different prompts that we can use in order to help us listen well and clarify what the other person is saying in that interaction. In addition to listening skills, though, James gives us another step. He says, be slow to speak. And as I think about this from the therapy lens that I practice from, being able to be slow to speak takes self-regulation skills. Again, this is not widely talked about. And so when we get angry, when we're frustrated, when we're in an argument, self-regulating can be really hard. Um, And especially if we're not really in tune with our body, our emotions. And so when we're dealing with our hurt, we have to focus on what our body is experiencing. And a first step to self-regulation could be noticing your emotional responses. How do you feel your emotions? How do you know you're angry? I ask people this frequently when they say, I'm stressed, I'm angry, I'm anxious. How do you know that? What is your body telling you? Some people get tight fists or tightness in the chest. Some people become very warm um, or they get anxious or nauseous. So become more aware of what your body is saying and then you can add some relaxation skills. This is so difficult, yet One aspect that I believe is so important in this particular area is the ability to not personalize someone's words. Now, this is very challenging to do, um, and I think it's a continual process, but as we are in interactions with other people, as we differentiate, as we separate our, our oneness, we can not allow other people's words, their thoughts, their evaluation of us to impact us to the point where we become um, anxious or defensive. Pete Scazzaro, the author of Emotional Healthy Spirituality, says that we are able to do this by understanding that we have nothing to gain and nothing to prove. Okay, so now I've given you several different types of skills, listening skills, self-regulation skills, differentiation skills. But here's the biggest takeaway from this passage of scripture. James just doesn't say, hey, practice these skills and you won't have conflict. At the end of this passage, he adds the most important part. He tells us to put off what is filthy or wicked and receive the implanted word of God. 
He's reminding us here that the root of all of these things is our sinful nature, our humanity. And nothing, no skill, no practice can help us change our hearts except for the implanted Word of God. This exchange is vital for our ability to reframe our emotions within our relationships as we actively practice to put off the maladaptive coping strategies that we have induced by anger and hurt and daily choose to receive God's word. We will begin the healing work of our souls. So it's not an or, but an and. This idea of both. God's word, and this practical skill set. I want to add a disclaimer to this as well, because I do believe that emotional awareness and the work towards effective emotional management are both a biblical practice and a therapeutic process. So I encourage all of you who desire to explore your emotions, triggers, and experiences to obtain support from a licensed professional counselor if needed. When exploring the new and uncharted territories of our souls, it's always good to go with a guide. So let's jump back into this next step. In addition to looking at how we handle our hurts, another area that we can press into from scripture is the way we use our words. A second major contributor to our challenges within relationships is how we communicate, right? Whether it is a lack of effective communication or the distorted messages we've received within our verbal interactions, we are familiar with feelings of frustration, confusion, and chaos that can surround our less than perfect verbal process. I was given this analogy once at a conference that I thought was so, so helpful. The presenter stood up on stage and asked someone from the audience to come up with her. She then gave them a ball. And she asked them to turn around so they were facing back to back. And then she said, let's play catch. And the point of this analogy was it was very, very challenging for either one of the participants to be able to catch the ball of the other, mainly because they couldn't see each other. And I think this is a major problem in our communication with one another in our culture. We use technology more than anything. And text messages and social media interactions can become very convoluted because we can't read tone, we can't see each other's faces, and we can't understand the real message. We jump to assumptions and we don't clarify. So this disorder within our relationships continues to cause hurt and hardship for many of us, blurring our perspectives and producing unnecessary pain. In James chapter 3, we are given a whole new perspective to assess and evaluate our communication with people in our lives. At the beginning of this chapter, James talks about the power of the tongue. He states that from the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be, verse 10. And then he shifts his attention to the remedy for our wounding words by addressing our need for insight and understanding. He says this in verses 13 and 14, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be a false to the truth. If I'm being honest, most times my communication breaks down when I lack the insight to acknowledge and name my raw emotions, whether it be jealousy, pride, 
fear, insecurity, injustice, etc. James encourages his readers in this passage to evaluate their exploration of internal awareness. To identify the bricks that have slowly created the walls which discontinue our communication with one another. James concludes this section of his letter by outlining the difference between functioning in disorder versus insight. He says this in verses 16 through 18, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This wisdom that James is talking about is defined as divine clarity, and it comes from God alone. And so when we are looking at the way we use our words, we have to go back to asking God for the wisdom and the words to say. And so something that I've learned to do, because I am by no means someone who has mastered this insight and wisdom, and it's something I pray and yearn for daily, but something that I've started to do that's helped me is ask myself questions before I enter conversations or while I'm even in those conversations that remind me to seek the wisdom that comes from God and ask him to fill me. So The first thing we need to ask ourselves is, what is my motive in saying this? How am I using my words? What is my motive in saying this? Number two, James says that it's peaceable. So the question is, will this cause dissension or repair my relationship? Is what I'm about to say going to bring unity or discord? And then thirdly, for gentleness and open to reason, are what is my tone and feeling in sharing this? Am I upset? Am I frustrated? Right? Checking in with ourselves, checking in with our feelings. The question I ask myself in this context is, is Jesus in this with me? You know, oftentimes, I think sometimes we can get into conversations and conflict and we forget to bring Jesus into it with us. You know, the conflict is the issue, not the person. Um, And sometimes we can forget to ask Jesus to be in it with us and prepare us for it. And then finally, how can I show I truly care? You know, in any conversation that I have, I want to communicate that the reason we get escalated, right? The reason we are so passionate about the conversation that we're in or the conflict that we have is oftentimes because we care. We just don't show it in a way that's communicated well. And so by asking these questions, by reflecting on these questions, oftentimes we can learn to use our words differently. And then finally, I want to press into this third area that we can practice reframing our relationships, and that's the way we resolve conflict. Whenever a client comes into session and says something like, my partner and I had a fight this week, I eventually ask the obvious question to understand the context of the conflict. What are you arguing about? And 99% of the time, the answer is, I don't remember. Although I tend to view this response as a deflection, oftentimes what starts as a simple miscommunication or hurtful comment can expound into a full-blown relational war. So the question becomes, what triggers the conflict? Here are my top four categories for conflicts. Number one, lack of communication or miscommunication. 
Number two, unexpressed or unrealistic expectations. Number three, differing opinions. And lastly, unresolved hurt. Although there are several more categories we could add to this list, I believe these are the few examples are the most common and may help us in broadening our perspective of conflict within relationships. You see, there are so many areas within our relationships that are often swept under the rug. And as we know, when left unaddressed, these distorted perspectives build the friction which increases relational conflict and tension. So how do we address conflict? How to resolve it peaceably. Let's look back into the book of James and chapter 4. He says this in verses 1 and 2. What causes quarrels and causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. James answers his question quickly with a thought-provoking reframe here. Is it not the passions that war within us? With this statement, James directly connects our patterns of conflict with an internal issue. Conflict is a soul issue. James goes on to say, It is our fleshly desires, our wants, resentments, covetousness, pride, etc., which prompt a flight response. When we look at it with this frame, we can see how many situations related to conflict often occur due to our desire to meet our own needs at any cost. This is our human tendency. It's a result of our broken identity that is only redirected and redeemed by the gift of God's grace. And that's why James continues in the next verses. He says this in verses six through eight, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So submit yourself to the Lord, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to the Lord, and he will draw near to you. James challenges our natural response to provoking situations by providing a grace perspective. As we acknowledge the grace, the unmeasurable grace that God has for us, we can adapt this perspective to our own conflict. For in shifting our attention to the grace we have been given, being forgiven of our sin and shame, we are redirected to focus on reliance on the Lord rather than ourselves. This internal healing is what changes everything. It changes our hearts, our actions, and our reactions. So as we conclude today's episode, I want to encourage you to draw near to the throne of grace and be empowered to extend such measures of mercy to those around you. It's a daily practice, but as we press into what God has given us, his grace and his mercy, we can extend it also. And what we will see as we continue to be transformed by the implanted word of God is that we speak differently. We handle our emotions differently. And we address situations with a non-anxious presence. So I hope these tools and truths encourage you today. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Reframed, the Power of Perspective podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please subscribe and drop a comment. To access more content and to join my monthly email list for the latest updates and info, visit my website at carlymarkulier.com. Reframed, The Power of Perspective is a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. 
If you enjoyed Carly's episode today, we would love it if you left the show a rating and review in your favorite podcast app. It really does help more people like you find the show. This podcast was produced by me, Kelly Givens, and Stephen Sanders, with executive oversight by Stephen McGarvey. To find more faith-filled, encouraging podcasts like this one, just head over to lifeaudio.com. Hello, my name is Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we're the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, check us out, Life After Addiction Podcast, and you can subscribe at lifeaudio.com.